Welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Nick McArdle and joining me from foxsports.com.au, Sam Worthington and Christy Doran. Gentlemen, uh, welcome. Gee, it's nice to be talking some rugby and, and not cricket indiscretions. So uh, let's get into it. And what your... What was your take? What was what really caught your eye over the weekend, Christy? Well, how fantastic were the Rebels? Apart from a 10-minute period throughout the first half, that was their best performance of the year, beating the Sharks. And right from the outset, we saw a, a break down the right-hand side. And the Rebels, they didn't score, but they got a penalty. Well, they didn't score the try, but they scored a penalty from it. And it was the perfect start, a real sign of where switched on, we're here to play. And they needed to after that shock loss against the Tars. For me, uh, it was you eating a bunch of grapes um, in, in record time before we came on air. It was yes. quite spectacular, just yes. the, the way you... Uh, casu- not, so much, not so much eating as inhaling them. Casually just destroyed a bunch of grapes. Mm. Quite impressive. But mm. apart from that, uh, I thought one of the interesting takeaways from the weekend was the result over in Buenos Aires. Well, I think we expected the Lions to, to beat the Jaguares um, again. That's, that's the correct pronunciation, I'm that, told, uh, Christy. very special. And <laughs> very special. <laughs> You've got to get oh, the... Mate, all right. <laughs> Um, and yeah, that result changes the complexion of the whole comp, I think. It, it's pretty early days, but the Lions were looking well-placed to again rumble through the, the regular season and get that home advantage for the, the finals. And uh, that little trip up, I think, well, um, they actually lost to them last year as well, but I think that might come back to bite them, and it opens the door maybe even for the Rebels mm-hmm. um, or... Um, the Hurricanes or a, a Crusaders, one of the New Zealand teams, to to jump ahead on that overall uh, ladder, which is going to be obviously crucial. We well, mentioned uh, the Rebels and the Hurricanes, a massive game this weekend, and we've got uh, Rebels coach Dave Vessels standing by. We're going to have a chat with him in just a moment. For me, um, it, it was back in, in Cape Town, right next to the drama that was happening at uh, the Newlands Cricket Ground. Drama. Um, yeah, drama could be understating it, but... Um, yeah, the the Reds and, and their physicality, and it's obviously um, Brad Thorne wants it to be a hallmark of the way they play the game, but just lacking in execution at the moment. So as we do this podcast, Daniel Atupo is, uh, you know, his case is, is uh, still in progress. We don't know um, what will happen at the end of that, but, you know, him... Coming under scrutiny, we had uh, Scott Higginbotham and Lucan Tui uh, earlier in the season. Um, Timu as well was was yellow carded. So it just feels to me like they have to find a way to, if they're going to play aggressively and, and with physicality, which is clearly what they want to be doing, they have to get it right because it's going to come back to bite them. Uh, you know, a two-po suspension, that hurts. That, that oh, really hurts. It? The red, so he he sets the tone a lot of the time. The, the things that he does around the park and and at scrum time as well. So yeah, I, I just want him to get that under control because I think there's so much good about what's happening with the Reds and, and if they can find uh, the execution in that game, it's, it's going to be special. Yeah, the Reds fortunate, I suppose, not to lose Tupo to a yellow card. It was uh, the deciding commissioner following the game. I think it only it occurred in the first couple of minutes, in fact, where he went really quite high mm. and uh, the commentators blew up about it, suggesting at a minimum yellow. He did it later in the game and got, got penalised um, and and perhaps it was it wasn't nearly as bad as I think the initial one earlier in the game. See, I don't have a problem with this, Christy. The the the, the way that um, Marius van Vesthuizen uh, handled that was was basically let's let's move on. Almost this philosophy of let let the siding commissioner deal with it. We'll, we'll we'll deal with this down the track. And I know that um, he the, said that on the field. He he said he TMO said oh, I'm having a look at this yeah. and then cleared it. 
Van der Pesthausen says, I've had a look, it's all good. Later on, it comes up on the big screen and, and he says, play's continued, we've got to continue. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. It was. I thought he had an outstanding but, game. But just, just the way I think that that should happen more often rather than these long periods of the game where players and, and referees are just standing around, you know, scratching their chins and these conversations happening with the TMO and we have a look at a thousand replays and oh, I'm not sure about that and what did you say and, and when we're in Japan and Argentina we have this breakdown in communication as well it just it's this massive uh, speed bump on, on the game let's just get on with it deal with it later if it's bad enough the guy's going to get suspended and just move on no, well, but at least keep the game moving they've got to get it right particularly by the World Cup next year because this is a, it's happening all around the world now and uh, with, with the 1,000 cameras that we all know that they're about at every mm. ground in the world, including cricket grounds, yep. you can't get away with it. Correct. I can tell you that nothing will have changed come the World Cup and we'll be talking about the refs and these sort of incidents. It's just, it's just one of those things that's complex and different people have different interpretations, but I agree they need to try and get a bit more consistency across the board because there are different standards, I think. And, um, yeah, like that one that specific incident I, I agree in some cases let, let play on let, let's deal with it later but then that was pretty clear cut and you should have at least got 10 minutes uh, at, at the time you would have thought I think a 10 minutes was fair but anyway yeah. we'll right. see as I said special guest standing by now joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast it's a very warm welcome to Melbourne Rebels coach Dave Vessels Dave thanks very much for your time thanks for having me guys hey uh Really, the basic question, how are you feeling about what's to come this weekend? It's a, a big, big test. It's a test we've all been looking forward to, the, uh, the first Australian side to play a New Zealand side. Yeah, I think I said, you know, off to the game, um, I think what we're trying to do is if we were a 100-metre sprinter, we're trying to run our personal best, you know. Like if that's a 9-9, we've got to focus on, on, on running that, you know. Um, and one of the things that we were disappointed with when we lost to the Waratahs in Sydney was we... You know, despite the fact that the Warriors obviously played very well and stuff, is we we just felt that probably from our point of view we didn't play the game that we wanted to play. You know, and I think that probably hurt more than the than the result. You know, so my feeling is that if somebody comes along and runs a nine eight and beats us, that's you know so be it. But we've got to make sure that we're doing our bit, which is which is running our our personal best. And I think we're at our best when we're playing with some energy and uh, intensity and enjoying it and uh, and having a bit of a go. You know, um, I think probably in the past. Maybe we've fallen into the trap a little bit of playing not to not to lose rather than playing to win, you know. And I think that's that's really what we're trying to do this year is is, is have a bit of a crack. And if it doesn't work out, then so be it. But at least we can uh, at least we can uh, I guess sort of hold our heads up. Yeah, Dave, you obviously had that setback against the Waratahs, and you took some blame for that personally. But overall, the start to the season, are you surprised that you, you know, maybe a, a bit ahead of schedule um, going so well? I talked to Peter Grant last week, and he he was a bit surprised just how quickly that the the team had come together because it is such a new group. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably you know like it's uh, we've got some pretty special people here, um, and I think that's made all the difference. You know, like uh, uh, to see a guy like Tom English who had captained the team the week before, um, then sort of uh, uh, you know dropped down to the reserves last week and then just apply himself in training the way that he did is a, is pretty special. You know, and I think it's um, I think I think each individual player needs to make those decisions for himself. You know, is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna behave? for himself or is he going to behave for the team and I think largely speaking we've been just very lucky with the way that the guys have have uh, have reacted you know um, 
And uh, and as I've said a couple of times, you know, like uh, I think people are surprised at maybe how the group has bonded over a short period of time, given that we had so many changes over in the off season. But I think a lot of that comes down to the players actually just being prepared to do it. You know, like real simple things like you know, right at the start, just sitting with somebody at lunch that you might that you maybe didn't know as well or whatever. Like it's, it takes people out of their comfort zone a little bit. But if you're prepared to do it, you actually realise you know your, your your best friend might be sitting in the room and you you never met him yet. You know, <laughs> um, and so. It's a real credit to the players that they've been prepared to do that over the last couple of months, and I think that's accelerated just the spirit within the group. Dave, Dave this weekend, I know, I know you just said before that you want to see the side attacking uh, and go from the outset. When you're coming up against the New Zealand side, do you just continue to do what you've been doing, or do you need to change anything? Yeah, I think I think probably, you know, like, one of the things that we talk about is is that we play rugby for fun, you know, and and, and we want people to come and watch us because it's fun. Um, we're not, you know, we're not solving world hunger here, you know what I mean? And uh, um, I think sometimes you can you can feel like that when things aren't going well. But I think if 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 we play, um, um, we, you know, we're a little bit brave in the way that we play and we we try to have a go. We know we, we recognise that not everything's going to work uh, for us, and I think if you come and watch us train, you'll see a lot of errors in training and things like that. But you know, we, we try to promote those things because I don't think you get better unless you're prepared to make a few mistakes. Um, and uh, and as a result, I think guys have quite enjoyed it. Hey Dave, um, in the lead up uh, to last week, you, and in the in the wake of the loss to the Waratahs, you put your hand up and you said, well. Probably didn't get the preparation for the Waratahs game completely right. So some of that's on me. So in the lead up to the Hurricanes, which is now probably the next biggest test after the Waratahs, you know, in terms of the season so far, what did you learn from that week leading up to the Waratahs that you can apply this week? What, what lessons did you learn from that week that are really handy leading up to this weekend? Um, I, th- I, think, I think the really key thing, Nick, is just, you know, for me, like... I'm obviously a young, a young coach, and I really, you know, I definitely don't know everything. And I think, uh, I think probably that Waratahs week was just a big learning for me in terms of, I mean, some of the things we did. We put a, we had three scrum sessions that week. We had a slightly longer week, having just travelled from Japan, where we didn't get a lot of set piece work done. And so we try to probably just put too much into that Waratahs week. And I thought we went, you know, we went okay for the first 40 minutes, but then we really just fell in a hole. And I just felt some of the some of the energy that we had in and around our game prior to that, we just didn't have in that game, right, almost right from the kickoff. Um, and so when I said I made those mistakes, like I wasn't saying that to sort of throw myself under the bus or anything. I just genuinely felt that that uh, uh, that I had uh, probably overcooked the guys that week in training, you know. And um, 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 yeah, I, I think I think the learning out of that is is, is that. You know, I probably should listen to to some of the athletic performance staff a little bit more when they uh, when they tell me you guys need uh, need some time out or, or whatever. But um, I think what we're trying to do is, you know, part of it is I guess is everybody here is just learning. You know, and I think if you if you um, are prepared to accept some criticism or accept some feedback, that's the only that's the only real real mechanism we have to get better. You know what I mean? Like if if people are okay um, and we can demonstrate. From everyone in the team, all coaches, all, all players, that ex, you know, accepting feedback or putting your hand up when you have made an error, it's just part of the learning experience. And I think we, uh, you know, we can all we can all continue to get better. Dave, Dave, I know one of the things that we all appreciate appreciate about New Zealand rugby is how they can capitalise <laughs> and they can quickly score one try and then score another a couple of minutes later. We saw against the Tars 
I think it was six tries in that second half. It, how do you and and were you disappointed that some of the leaders weren't able to go, guys? This is how we're going to reset and and take a, a step back and 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 now going into this match against the Canes, what's the, like? Is there a learning about that in terms of how you adapt to that situation when you are suffering some adversity? Yeah, I mean, some uh, an, an experienced coach in the in, in AFL spoke to me and sort of said like maybe that's maybe that's the best best thing for you to happen that game uh, at the time when it's happened because I think to sort of see our leaders after the game and how disappointed they were uh, you know uh, they, they then off their own bat organised a couple of discussions where they said you know that if we had that if we had that game again what are we going to do better and again you know like that's that's the type of that's the type of conversation that helps us get better you know like uh, for a guy like Adzi who's who's a who's a first time captain, you know, he's learning as well, you know, and I think as long as he's prepared to say, geez, maybe we got that wrong or, you know, I didn't intervene at the appropriate time or, or have the appropriate intervention or whatever, then hopefully next time that situation or a similar situation arises he's learned from that and, and can uh you know and can can do something differently. But uh, but the first step is just admitting that we, we you know, we got something wrong. Um, and once you do that then you open yourself up to, to learning from it I guess. Dave, uh, clearly everyone in Australian rugby is desperate to end this Kiwi hoodoo, but are the guys feeling that pressure? Are you talking about that, trying to trying to harness it in a positive way at all, the the fact that obviously um, it would be a, a great achievement, or how are you mentally approaching that, that whole challenge? Um, no, I mean, to be honest, we, we, ha- we haven't actually really discussed it. I think I think the guys are naturally up for the game, you know. Like it, everybody knows the Hurricanes are a good side, so there's not a lot of huge motivation that, that uh, uh, that we have to do. I think we try to keep the, the week pretty similar. You know, like we 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 we, uh, we bed down our plan uh, in the early part of the week, and then at the back end of the week, just try to execute it at, at some some speed and intensity, so that we can go into the game feeling good about what we want to do. You know, and uh, you know, yesterday, for example, we just did a lot of work on on our own attack with our ball and things like that, because I think you know we it's one thing to talk about a mindset of attacking and things like that, but we actually have to we have to demonstrate it as coaches um in the way that we we plan to play you know so having a big volume of that in training is is just is is kind of reinforced to the players that that's the way we want to go we want to we want to have a crack. Um, Dave, I've got the uh, the Hurricanes team sheet in front of me from last week. I'm looking down this back line, and you've got you know one of the best uh, halves combinations in the game, Perinara and, and <coughs> Barrett, World Player of the Year. Then you've got this you know young Ben Lamb on the wing, who's been unbelievable. Julian Severe on the other wing. We know how good he is. Geordie Barrett at the back. But there's a name, Nani Laomapi, um, and so much of what that back line does, and so much of their setup is is around his game as well. And we probably don't talk much about him or as much about him as some of those other bigger names. Um, how do you close down a guy like Nani Laomapi? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, on the coach side, I don't have to. You know, that's probably why I coach. <laughs> it's easier, easier to talk about than to have to do, you know. Um, um, no, nah, but I mean, as you say, like, he's not the only guy to worry about. And again, you know, our focus has been on the fact that we have Riga uh, Korambedi or Amanaki Barfi or... You know those sort of players where hopefully if the Hurricanes are sitting there, they recognise that they're going to have to come up with a few few plans for some of our guys too. You know, and uh, um, it, it, that's not to say we don't think about it. I don't mean to be flippant about it, but it's just again our mindset is always we got some. You know, we've got some weapons of our own, and we've got to we've got to make sure that they're firing. And um, if I, if that's our mindset, then I feel like we can go good. So so just on that a little bit more, are you saying that? 
um, I mean, you hear coaches and players say it all the time. You know, we're just coach, we're just concentrating on ourselves, uh, and if and if we do the right thing, then everything will take care of itself. Is that a genuine? It always sounds like a bit of you know a bit of uh, coach speak, but is is it a genuine thing where you actually don't pay too much attention to what's coming at you, and you and it really is focusing on yourselves, or, or do you have to do a bit of homework on what's coming at you? No, no, geez, I mean, you, you definitely have to do your homework. You know. Um, <laughs> um, I think I think uh, you know Michael Foley always used to say that um, um, that uh, cert- uh, that clarity cre- creates certainty and that certainty creates optimism. You know, so uh, by providing players with clarity about what you want to do in your in your game, exactly what you want to do and what's going to work, uh, ultimately creates them makes them feel good because they do some things against the Sharks that maybe we talk about before the game and we execute it and it works exactly how we say it's going to work, then they, they take confidence out of that, you know. And in order to do that, everybody has to prep, not just the coaches, but the players have to spend time re- reviewing in, in a lot of detail what what we expect to happen, you know. Um, but I think, again, you know, you can, if, if you, just as you did, if you start uh, thinking too much about the Hurricanes, you can tie yourself in a knot because... They do have such world-class players, you know. At some point, you've got to think about, okay, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do that's going to cause these players problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. I just think it's a lot more fun to be focusing on some of the some of the stuff that you can try to pull off and test yourself against that than uh, than worrying too much about what they're going to bring because, you know, ultimately, uh, um, whatever they're going to do, they're going to they're going to be good at it, you know. So. Um, we've got to be just try and be equally good when we have our opportunities. And, and one of those weapons that you mentioned just before, <laughs> um, Dave Amanaki Murphy, what an incredible weapon to have at your disposal. But what's he like as a as a guy to coach? Um, we had uh, Jack Tiprasini on the podcast earlier. He said he's he's not always the best trainer, but um, get him out on the field and he and he's just um, a man possessed. What's he been like to work with? Yeah, he's a he's a crazy guy. <laughs> he's um, he's uh, uh, he's a pretty quiet guy off the field, which you wouldn't sort of expect, you know. And um, um, you know, uh, there is a bit of a language barrier there. Um, but to be honest, like when he crosses the, you know, when he when he runs out the tunnel, he's just a totally different guy, you know. To, to put him in context, I mean, he won Super Rugby Player of the Year in the team that came last last year, you know. Um, so he's a pretty he's a sp- pretty special individual, but. Um, Again, like he—he's one of those guys who I think when he's enjoying his rugby and he and he feels he, that, that uh, he cares for the team and that the team care about him, uh, then he really fires, you know. And I think that's that's the sort of space he's in at the moment. So um, we hope that he's one of those guys who fires for us on Friday night. Dave, we know you've got to go in a moment. Appreciate your time. Uh, Non-rugby related question: We hear a lot of players. Will Genny has said it a number of times over the last month or so. Say that you're a very intense coach compared to a couple of guys Eddie Jones um, what do you like and what do you do in your spare time <laughs> try and reintroduce myself to my family I guess <laughs> that's probably the, the short answer um, now we, we have a couple we have a couple of days off next week so I'm, I'm, to be honest I'm, you know we're looking forward to that we've, we've had a, we've had a, a good run here um, pretty continuous on the trot um, but I think um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, we we do try to bring some intensity, you know. Like we 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 train with real intensity. We try to prepare with intensity, and I think one of the things is that um, it's you know it would be hypocritical of me to preach that and not practice it myself. You know what I mean? So I've I've got to make sure that I'm 
100% across my detail. I've watched every little bit of film that I can watch. I've, uh, I've done all of those things because I, I don't feel I can stand in front of the player group and ask the same of them or, or for them to give themselves in, in the way that they do if I haven't done it. Um, and um, and then I guess because I'm doing it, you know, you, you, you want to see the same from the rest of your staff. And we've been we've been really lucky with the staff that we have. Um, we brought all of the, the staff over from the uh, from the Western Force, a lot of the key staff. And one of the things that really stood out for me as a group of people is that when everything was was kind of falling around around us last year, they they all stood by their post. You know, not a single one of them. <laughs> sorry, not a single one of them sort of trying to take care of themselves or, or worried about their area or whatever. They're all totally committed to the players and uh, committed to the team, you know. And so you've got the safety of knowing that whatever happens to us as, as a group, that the staff are going to be uh, just incredibly loyal and um, want, you know, want the best for the team, which is pretty special. And the best for the team this weekend would be a win over the Hurricanes. And uh, we can't wait for it, Dave. Thanks so much to... Uh, for you to spend some time with us. Um, really good to, to have a chat. Go well on the weekend. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, very good to get a chat with Dave Vessels. And I know how highly regarded he is within uh, Rugby Australia as well as uh, a coach of the future. And he's proving those credentials right now with the Melbourne Rebels. A couple of things, gents, I wanted to pick up on there. Interesting that he said they hadn't discussed the hoodoo. Um, 26 losses, no wins last year for Australian teams against uh, New Zealand teams in Super Rugby. Haven't discussed it, but no doubt they'd be aware of it. Yeah, well, it's us types in the media that keep reminding them of it, won't they? And obviously the players will know. Um, it's, it's, it's a tricky one for coaches. You either embrace it and say, let's, let's be the ones to, to knock this off and, and then make it a personal, you know, goal for the team or, or go the other way ignore it and just and just fully focus on yourselves um maybe because they're a, a new team they're, they're still trying to embed their own systems and and um i guess ambitions for, for their own performance so i can understand that uh, it's all just chatters and it doesn't doesn't matter too much and and you wonder whether there is this obsession with the the hoodoo it's only going to get worse whether that becomes counterproductive for the Australian teams the more that gets in their head they, they need to get out there and throw the first punch don't they and that was the message that Dave was talking about we need to attack don't don't worry about Bowden Barrett scoring a, a try on us let's let's get Amanaki Mafi bulldozing someone and, and Korobiti finishing in the corner throw the first punch and, and hopefully that, that steamrolls from there well, it's, that, it's that whole thing about you know you, you can't you can't change history you can only create history there's nothing that anybody can do now about you know what was a poor season for Australian teams against New Zealand teams last year and I think this is sorry Christy this is the perfect way for it to unfold to, to start a new season and it's the Rebels the, the best performing Australian team at home um, admittedly against a very one of the better New Zealand teams but if there was ever a, a, a time to draw a line in the sand on last year and, and then and, and get the ball rolling in a positive um, direction. This this has been set up pretty well, hasn't it, for the Rebels? Well, it certainly has. I think the other thing that we can't lose sight of is, is that the fact that the Wallabies actually beat the All Blacks the last sure. time a New Zealand Australian side versed in, in 15-man rugby. So, um, not versed. Verse is not a verb. All right. All, all right. the kiddies listening out there. I agree. Verse it's is not a verb. Good to have all the listeners out there as well. Um, but it is, it is. I think that you look through that team. There's Reese Hodge. There's Will Genier. There's Cora Beatty. Uh, there's Adam Coleman. Those guys. Jordan Ulysses is hopefully going to be fit to take his position. All those sorts of guys yeah. in, involved in that Wallaby setup at the moment. So yeah, no, it's uh, it'd be a good thing to see uh, happen. Um, but I don't think also it's the end of the world if it doesn't happen. If the if the rebels don't 
beat the Hurricanes. And this is, the, and again, we're complicit in this, aren't we, Sam? You know, we talk about it all the time. It becomes part of the conversation, building it well, up. It has to, to building it up to be a, a big game. It is a big game. Yeah. But let's not throw the toys out of the cot. If the Rebels don't beat the Hurricanes, it's a very new side. Um, you know, these players, the the bulk of them have just come together and you know the question about whether maybe they're a bit ahead of time um maybe they are so let's let's not you know kick cans all the way home from amy park on on friday night if it doesn't happen but yeah. bloody hell it'll be good to, to see it happen yeah. yeah it's a it's a great opportunity for them and, and that'll you know get some um some publicity obviously it's been all about cricket so far this week but if, if they do pull off a win that, that's gonna you know create some, some pretty big waves uh, in the rugby world. So, yeah, I hope they do embrace this opportunity. And even if they don't win, like you said, uh, they, they need to, to be competitive. It'll be pretty deflating if they get dusted by 20 for everyone, sure. wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, at, at the very least, they need to throw some punches, score some points, and, and, and hopefully, um, yeah, make a real contest. The Hurricanes as well, with Adi Sevilla in doubt, with a, a rib injury perhaps, that could be a, a huge blow. We know how good of open side flanker he is on the flip side there for feeder, I think, could be back to so um the, the canes they've been impressive that they had a early season stutter i suppose losing to the bulls beat the hakuaras came back and beat the crusaders and on the weekend they were outstanding against the highlanders mm. yeah another very good kiwi derby some of the point that gets missed I think about those New Zealand teams is everyone focuses on the attack and and you know fair enough it's the the flashy stuff but some of that defensive grit um that that you know the Hurricanes and Highlanders they they produced in particular and the the clever kicking games they're often the things that um that that, that lead them to those those wins that gets overlooked a bit I think uh, who no, wins who wins and why how do, how do you go about winning well I, I think it will you know, flashy backlines. Well, both both teams got flashy backlines. You know, you line them up against each other. There's talent on both teams. It's it's going to be a battle of the forwards. And I look at that, uh, the forwards from the Rebels, and see no reason that they can't uh, aim up against the Hurricanes. Um, I, I feel I feel good about the Rebels' chances. It will be built. On uh, on a fine performance from uh, from the Rebels forwards, I, I believe. Yeah, wonderful matchups across the park, but you, you get the feeling someone like Will Guinea, um, Perinara is the the heartbeat to that Hurricanes team, but you, he can get a little bit uh, rattled and, and fall off sides with the refs, and you just wonder if Guinea can lean on his experience and then wind TJ up a little bit if things don't yep. don't go well, because um, he's kind of the barometer for that team, um, TJ Perinara. And, and again. It, Will needs the forwards. I mean, it's stating the obvious, I know, but Will needs that forward pack to at least be finding parity and, and going forward. Their advantage line uh, success percentage has been really good mm. to the, up to this point in the season. They need that to continue. The only game this year that uh, the Rebels forwards haven't dominated was against the Waratahs, and, and Willie found it really difficult on, mm. on that day, on, the, on that occasion. If that happens again, yes, the Rebels are going to struggle, but it's up to that forward pack. Well, what I loved, a couple of moments I loved about last week's game was Will Genia, particularly in the attacking half, where there was a number of instances where the Rebels, just for a moment, you thought maybe they're losing the plot or they're going to throw that pass and it could unravel. Will Genia puts the ball to the boot, and his box kicks were fantastic, yep. and he was finding the five-meter line and putting the Sharks under such enormous pressure. And then in the second half, you've got a guy like Colby Feyinger coming onto the field and having 
a huge influence at the breakdown and made a number of turnovers. So those sorts of guys, I think the midfield with Reese Hodge, he looked great, I thought, at outside centre, and Billy Meeks was outstanding at inside centre. Billy Meeks had his best game, I think, probably his best game back in Super Rugby. Agreed, agreed. And so those two guys, important to have that midfield, particularly against the Canes. I just want to um, pick up on something else that Dave Vessels said. In fact, it was your question, Christy, about when things aren't going quite right, about having that, that reset call. And it's interesting because a couple of our experts here at Fox Sports have sort of indicated that they look at this Rebels team and, and they say, OK, well, the, the backs are playing well, the forwards are playing well. A lot of things are going right for this team. If there's one weakness, maybe they don't have that, that reset button. When things aren't going their way, that maybe they don't have that capacity just to bring things in tighter, just to, to play pretty basic rugby and then build from there again. The, the, the want to play uh, ball in hand, expansive rugby is there and they seem to push more passes when things aren't going right. They go, they go, they go further the other way. Mm. Have you guys sensed that at all? I, I think maybe we saw that in the second half when they were chasing the game against the Waratahs and then for um, probably the second half of the first 40 uh, against the Sharks last weekend where things didn't go quite right. They had a man advantage, couldn't make the most of it. They, they kept pushing these passes. Yeah, well, they're such a young team, aren't they? So they're still working out how they go about things. And Adam Coleman, a very young captain, clearly Will Guinea, you know, acts as a second captain out there. But, yeah, it, it's going to be a fascinating point because there's no doubt the Hurricanes are going to score some points. They'll... Yeah. they'll one of the Barretts will do something ridiculous and they'll suddenly have a couple of tries on the board. So it'll be those moments that'll dictate whether they can stay in the contest and, and maybe win the, the game or, or not. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't get too worried about that because they are such a, a young team um, and, and I, they would have taken so much out of that, that Waratahs game, I think. They, they would have talked about that and worked out their strategies for, for when things don't go their way. It's not just a Rebels thing either. We saw, we've seen this so often for the Wallabies. You look back at last year's opening Bledisloe in Sydney when the All Blacks ran out to a 40, effectively a 40 to nil lead mm. before the Wallabies came back. It's a problem really, I think, with Australian rugby is the fact that they can't just at times have the... And Michael Checker talks about it in the sense that he needs leaders and he, he's under the belief that there are some leaders starting to form, but it's just got to be spread across all the four teams now in Australian rugby. Mm. All right, so that's uh, the blockbuster on... On Friday night, can't wait for that. We'll be in Melbourne for that one. And then on Saturday night in Canberra, uh, the Tars heading to the nation's capital to take on the Brumbies. And this has got a big game feel about it too. And we know the history between these two sides and and the fact that uh, initially a lot of the Brumbies were Waratahs rejects. In early days, they made so much about that and and built the fire in their belly on that concept. Um, not sure that it's had that same fire and brimstone in the last few years that it, that it once had, but this is such an important game for both teams. And, and the headliner out of all of this is the return of David Pocock to Australian rugby uh, from his knee injury after his sabbatical. So much expected of Poey in his 100th game. Yeah, um, it's going to be a very interesting team naming later in the week, uh, whether he starts or, or comes off the bench. Um, and both teams have had a week off as well to plot for this, um, and, and a very hard one to call this far out. I'll be leaning towards the Brumbies um, at, at home. I'm, I'm still not sure. The Waratahs played that incredible, uh, had that incredible 20 minutes against the Rebels where everything just went right, but I'm, I'm still not fully sold on them. Um, I, I, just, I just think they do have... A little bit of a soft underbelly up front, potentially. Um, so, yeah, I'd be leaning towards the 
the Brumbies there, but they've they've got their own problems as well. Their, their attack still looks a little bit stifled. Um, with Harwater going to, to 10 and Lelia Fana to 12, it did improve. Joe Powell looked more comfortable with him outside him. So, yeah, a very interesting one. And, and of course, what they do with Israel Folau, um, whether they, they keep him on the wing, I think you probably have to after what we saw. I don't, I don't think they'll change too much selection-wise. Um, but, yeah, how, how they use him going forward as well, another, another fascinating aspect to this game. It's just about the biggest match in... Well, biggest Australian derby. In rugby history ever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, possibly, possibly. But you look at the conference at the moment. The Rebels out in front on 20 points. The Reds on 13, albeit have played five matches. The Tars and the Brumbies both coming off the back of the bye on 10 points and 8 points respectively. It's a genuine four-horse race, which is great. The Aussie Aussie conference. What you? Oh, you've written off the Sunwolves. I wasn't. I'm reading off. Written off the Sunwolves. Wow. No, I wasn't. I wasn't early. I wasn't taking the uh, the Mickey. But yeah, like all four teams are well in play, aren't they? Well, they they are, and perhaps until this weekend and Saturday night at the conclusion of it, I think whoever loses this match, it's it's almost impossible to get back. I, I would think. Um, but the Tars, I I don't know how David Pocock can't yeah, start. Yeah, back up, back up. So whoever loses this match is gone. Is that what you're saying? Wow, we're what more than a third of the way through the season. I, th- I think I think so. Uh, the New Zealand sides uh, are all winning. Thirteen points is basically the lowest. I'm not willing to go that far. Of the myself. five, but David Pocock, he has to start. I think he's a, just about the the best player in Australian rugby. If, if you're not going to start him for a clash like this, wh- when are you? Mm. Um, Rob Simmons last week spoke about the fact that he's the sort of guy that comes back and you'll play a hundred percent. I think to. also that it, it's it's how he plays, but it's what he brings to oh, mentally. the environment yeah. as, as well. It's a bit like, um, you know, like Christian Lilifano, um when he came back last year, and you know, just him sitting on the bench in in that game. There was it, it brings a um, it brings a better feel, a different feel around the squad as well. Just, um, just and the crowd sense it too. Yeah, no doubt. And the the game has changed a little bit where individuals don't dominate at the breakdown with turnover after turnover like Pocock and McCaw are used to. It's the the laws have changed a bit, but there's no doubt just Pocock's influence is going to change the way the Waratahs approach things with their own ball. They may now have to commit an extra player to every ruck just just because of that constant threat um, of Pocock there. So there's no doubt uh, he'll be uh, front and centre of the the Waratahs game plan this week. As they, as they work out how to go about it. Hooper Pocock. Mm. How good. Mm. Yeah, and whether, are we going to see, this is looking ahead a bit, I know, but are we going to see Pocock back at number eight for the, the Wallabies? Where does all that go? I mean, that's it's another interesting uh, subplot as well. I'm hearing that, that um, Michael Checker fully intends to play both of them. Yep. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, which doesn't, doesn't surprise me. I still think, though, over the last decade or, or even more, we haven't really had a specialist number eight since Todd Ikefu, um, who's played there consistently. Yeah. I think the eight and six position is, and even going back to Owen Finnegan at six, it's the biggest issue, I think, in Australian rugby at the it's, moment. There's so much good talent in that tight five. Pretty good playmakers on the rise. You've got Foley, Bill. You've got outstanding outside backs. Eight and six is the crisis Australian rugby needs to solve. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Be interesting to wow. see. Uh, we've, we've got a I've cricket. Got Ned Haddington on the line. We've got a <laughs> cricket crisis, a rugby crisis. Um, just Jack Dempsey when he's fit again. Jeez, you better not go anywhere near Waratahs training. You're not going to be popular. <laughs> David Pocock, though, uh, he said he learnt some things in his time in Japan, I think, trying to make himself a little bit more dynamic and, and improving his ball carrying, because they are the only criticisms of his game. Um, and it, it's a shame that two of Australia's best players play the 
same position because they're not like overly um, endowed with world class players and, and and David Pocock's just not a number eight at all. But but the reality is he, he will Michael Checker have to probably play playing out of position at number eight just because he's one of your best players. So it's 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 just a, a shame really that that's how it's unfolded. Go, if, go back to Mark Ellis' suggestion from a couple of years Michael ago. Michael Hooper at twelve in the back line. No, no, Michael Hooper in the centres. Yeah. David Pocock to hooker. Hooper yeah. could be a great centre. Obviously, won't happen, but um, there's, he, he seriously could be. Yeah. Well, it's it's not just those two. Like you said, that it's it's a shame that those two are in that position. There's guys like Liam Gill who've gone overseas, mm. just knowing that they're not going to get anywhere near that Australian mm. side. So, exactly right. There it is. All right, Crisis. so a couple of big games to look forward to on the weekend. Just finally, before we go, your tip again. So who, who's your tip for, for Canberra? I'm thinking the Waratahs. I think uh, off the back of the bye, they needed that. They'd done a lot of travelling early doors. The Brumbies, on the other hand, they haven't had nearly the the, the difficulty in terms of travel. They're, they've got the dominance in the tight five, but I just don't see the points, uh, unfortunately, in that 9, 10, 12 region. Yeah, Brumbies in a, in a tight one. All right. I, I think the Tars... But yes, with no great conviction, and, and Friday night, I'm going to say the Rebels. I think they were they were particularly impressive with Genia fit. They are a serious threat. Whether or not they can sustain it right throughout the season, I'm, I'm not sure. But at the moment, they're playing very very good football, and uh, I'm loving the confidence that some of the the tight five forwards are playing. Jermaine Aidensley wasn't particularly accurate at times last week. But he's playing with a bit of aggression, the sort of stuff that Michael Checker would love, I think. Um, the Rebels by three. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll go Hurricanes by seven or so, maybe one one try in it. Um, Is there but, a bit of heart overhead there, Sammy? Uh, no, it's, yeah. it's a bit of uh, head and heart. I've, okay. I've mixed the two together. Okay. And that's what I've come up Very with. Very good. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, the Rebels, but again with no great... Conviction, so half a cheek on the fence. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for, uh, for that, and uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Just before I let you go, boys, uh, crisis of the week, Christie's crisis. Yes. <laughs> crisis. <laughs>